Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast, where we are finally almost all reunited. And we have books we have shown today. We're going to be talking through a brilliant um, Champions Cup final and all the rugby action that's happened in the last week. I'm Tala and I'm driving this podcast today, fortunately not alone. And for once, Cook Sean, we actually don't have any load shedding or load shedding has worked in our favor for once. Cooks, how are you doing? See, it sounds like you've been fighting in the dark for the last few weeks. Oh, jeez. How's it, guys? How's everyone? Yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, I've actually have been fighting in the dark. But like for me, the dark is very like lots of darkness. I mean, I had no power the sort of last week, essentially. I had a hangover. I mean, I had a bachelor's on the weekend, so I'm fighting. I've got a fighting hangover still currently because I'm getting old. So that's also a bit of darkness. <laughs> my football team is terrible. A two-day hangover. So that, that's why I've also been hiding because it's like sports. That my basketball team is busy losing, currently losing 3-0 right now. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing well, guys. Uh, I'm not doing well. So I've, I've got all sorts of darkness. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, the Sharks still frustrate me from time to time. I had to wear a Blue Bulls jersey in, in Cape Town. Got almost killed by Stephen Kitsoff for it. Yeah, anyway, it's been a good couple of weeks, but um, things are looking up now, I guess. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. Jeez. <laughs> I feel for you. Time. I'm so sorry for asking you. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been, a, it's been a tough oh, two goodness. weeks. But I'm seeing the light now. Yeah, I'm feeling a lot better now. There's, so these, people think when I'm not on rugby, but like my life, like everything's going well. It's not like I'm fighting demons outside. Like this not, I'm in a good space when I'm talking about rugby. <laughs> Sean, I hope it's been going better for you. Hi, and to everyone, hi and cooks, Bri, I'd give you a hug if I could, eh? Um, I but but now we get to talk rugby. Yes, it has been better. Um, I uh, I've been having some decent weather. It's been pretty damn cold in the evenings in the morning but the days have been pretty good and just been kind of slowly easing into winter and watching ruggers i watched the game on friday and on saturday and it was flipping out of this world i'm still buzzing i can't wait to jump into this uh, european weekend but but yeah i, I must be honest i have had a, a good a better few weeks than than cooks um yeah sorry man it's not particularly hard to be honest it seems like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's, 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 not, it's not very easy. Just just make sure you have power. Don't support Chelsea. Don't support the Lakers. And, and, everything, and everything will be fine. Cooks, I actually don't know what's going on. I don't follow NBA, but I by default support the Nuggets because um, I spent a month in Colorado. So I know you guys have heard me talk about ice hockey, the Avs or my team. So, But by default, I, I support the Nuggets. Are they in the mix at all? What's happening with the Nuggets? I did go and watch them play a game. Funny enough, uh, at two days in the same arena, two days before they played an ice hockey match, it was absolutely mind blowing to see how one day it's a, a, a basketball court and the next day guys are skating on ice. But anyway, are the Nuggets in the mix? Yeah, they're the ones causing myself and Tyler pain right now because they're busy no. playing the Lakers <laughs> and um, <laughs> in the conference finals, that final. So it's a good time to be a Nuggets fan. Oh, but sure, you mentioned those American Stadium, how, ama- how amazing it is, how, how quickly they can turn from like a basketball court to ice rink. I mean, Cape Town Stadium's the same. It's, it's amazing how it goes from a rugby field into a motocross track in about 80 minutes. So it's like, almost, almost like know. a similar vibe. Oh, that field is falling apart. So like we, our technology is getting there. It's crazy. <laughs> but you're 100% right. And what a great analogy as well. Like it, it's a good way to change it up. 
But I saw a couple, um, a couple of um, the Cape Town City fans. I think it was Cape Town City fans who were having a moan on on socials, like they've been pushed away out of their stadium, um, which has now become essentially a full time rugby stadium. <laughs> and uh, and then the rugby players go and mess up the grass. But at least it's getting relayed for next year. Like that's that's a well, that's like a massive bonus for for the Cape Town rugby fans and for Test matches moving forward. I suppose. Eh? Yeah, it'll get better. I just feel yeah. bad for the for the for the groundsman there. Poor Og is getting just every time he blinks on Twitter, it's just like with the field or like he, he's probably devastated the world, to man. won the game against Leinster. He was devastated. He's like, Are you kidding me? Another rugby <laughs> match on the field? <laughs> it's the easiest so job, the easiest job in the world. Easiest job in the he world, was, man. You just gotta basically just get a um what a steamroller, like just a heavy roller. Just take one from one of the cricket pitches around. And just go over 15 times. You know it's going to break apart. You don't even bother putting time and effort into it. Maybe sprinkle a little bit of cement around just to bind it. I don't know. So you guys saying that the Cape Town Stadium is basically like Nagpur in, in, in India? Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works in the Stormers' favor. So, I mean, I think that's the, 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 that's the secret there. Like, just to, um, so, so maybe, what, what, what do we know? The same as India takes teams to Nagpur when they're losing one in a series and magically make it 1-1. One, one. Well, <laughs> I, I, have, I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Like, the Stormers are a scrummaging team, scrummaging pack, um, and that's not going to change next year. Are they going to be better or they're going to be worse on a more stable pitch? You have to imagine better, hey? I mean... You, you would. It makes I, sense. But what if they're not? I mean, even just not just leave leave the strumming for on one side. Cooks, I think we're both at the uh, bull shot and bullstormers game, and the amount of times people slipped also was a major issue in that game. Like off the ball. Imagine now that like Leonard Zass and all those people can actually just stand and run for fifty meters and not fall over. Like this uh, year, like so it's I a problem it all over. Yeah, shame it is. I think, mm. yeah, there is, it is a problem, right? But that, I mean, like it, is, it, is, it is getting relayed, but, but again, like you said, it, clearly it's working. I mean, they've won, I mean, what, they've lost one home game in a year, so maybe it's, it's, it's slipping mm. to their favour, or, or, I don't know, like this, but what I'm just saying is... They, know, they know which place to avoid. <laughs> they, they, they 100% know which place, which place to avoid. It reminds me, like, when I was at, when I was at Woodridge, and the Astro Trivet Woodridge had this one, so when, when teams stand for like a short corner, there's a one like, like a dip in the, in the, in the turf. So, but the Woodridge Oaks knew to stand like, like, a, like so I'd say like a, a meter next to us, you know, stand where, where the dip is. But watching the opposition team stand in the middle of it and watching the ball just like sort of bounce over the sticks every single time was the funniest thing ever because it was like, it was like, I was like, I was never ever fixed that mark from the turf. Like never fix it. Because clearly it helps us and not the, not the opposition. So the Stormers must be, must be the same. We're like, they know exactly which places where you're going to slip and which place you're not going to slip. James, I'm going to slightly sort of take a bit of a, a, a executive call here and just sort of reshape the, the pod a little bit on the fly. I want to actually ask you guys, before we get into the Champions Cup and all the finals that happened this weekend, I want to actually ask you guys quickly about your opinion of the, the video that the Storm has released after Leinster won the game. I mean, we saw um, them celebrating and dancing and Joe Dweber scaring his poor little child. <laughs> what is your opinion about the video? Um, yeah, 
like, I, I really don't see the issue. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't understand why people have taken exception to, you know, it's all those like, oh, like people with their nose in the air, just looking for a reason to moan. Like, what do you expect? Like, let's think about this as a team. You know, you know who you want to play and who you've got the edge over. Like, if you were given a choice, you you most people would probably want to play Munster at home than play Leinster away. Um, there's, I'm almost going to say that there is not one team in the league that would rather play Leinster away in the URC league. La Rochelle don't count. Um, so, like the guys sat there and watched the game. Like they're supporters and they know what's best for them. And that's what they wanted. They don't have to travel. They don't get to spend time. They've got more skin in the game than we do. And we were shouting and celebrating. Like, what must they just sit there and golf clap? No. Sorry. I'm I'm have no issue with it. I absolutely love it. It's a was a massive moment. It's a massive, it was a massive result for Munster, but a massive result for everyone um that supports the Stormers and everyone in Cape Town. Like it was that's what everyone was talking about. It was the final after Munster had won was the final was in Cape Town. Like that was the whole big thing. And everyone's like, oh shit, now we've got to chop and change everything around because we, everyone had planned that it was going to be in Dublin already, you know? So flip, man, go for it. Celebrate all you can. Yeah, I agree with Sean. I think it's like this thing like with like social media, for example, like we, people want our athletes to be normal and relatable. And then when they show normality and, and act like how like, like fans and we show them their personality, we complain, we're like, oh, no, like, they didn't complain. Like, they should have been more, more respectful to months that they, like, I'm like, guys, like, that's how they, like, you want to see a real raw reaction, and that's what it was. And showing you the nail on the head, for me, it wasn't that Stormers would beat Munster, it was the fact that the final was going to be in Cape Town. I think for them, that's the big, that's the big thing with all the issues with um, the traveling this year and all of that, like, this season, like, it's national, there's going to be a final in Munster. And, and and I don't blame like I know Drebo got a lot of like stick for like for saying like we're gonna f them up. That's how he is. Though. I mean, he's he's a guy who he is willing that to like to, to, to lay on the line and, and be like. And, and I and I like to hear players thinking like that. You know, what I mean, it's I like it when when players are honest. And um, I do think the Stormers have got a chance to f them up. So like, but the poor kid though was probably couldn't 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 the mix. But I mean, like again, like his players <laughs> being normal. I loved it. That's that's what I want to see from my players. I think it's again that's why you know players would rather not be on social media or or, or, or give cliched answers because if they are real, they they, they get they, they they get they they still get roasted. I mean, look, imagine having to go to Ireland and also you're avoiding lanes who are who have been the best side and you get your final at home now it's sold out. It it works, it it, it works for it, it works for them. And if the Stormers lose. It won't because it won't because they underestimated Munster or, or or because they made a video two weeks ago. So I'm choosing motivation for Munster as well. But hey, I mean, you choose one. Going to going to Dublin or or having a final in Cape Town. I think I think I'd rather be in Cape Town. The truth is, like the you do not want to play Leinster in Dublin. And second in on that list is you don't want to play the Stormers in Cape Town. And third on that list is you don't want to play um, Glasgow at home either, because they've they were flipping strong. They lost to Munster in the quarterfinals, but they had a flipping brilliant um, uh, run at home. And um, like the the home ground advantage matters. It matters. It's it's huge. It's the same in Super Rugby. Like all we were doing in Super Rugby was trying to get high enough 
So we didn't have to travel to Australia or New Zealand in the playoffs. Why? Because it matters. So, like, yeah, people need to get over themselves. They're just looking for a reason to bitch and moan. Yeah, I think they're also just happy that they didn't have to travel economy class via Qatar, spend three days in that airport, and then go to Dublin. So I think that was probably True. more the, the issue there. Um, let's actually transition from that into our Champions Cup final. And yeah, I think probably one of the best Champions Cup finals, at least in recent memory, as Leinster, um, or Larishal beats Leinster 27 points to 26. Larishal pretty much repeating what they did in the last um, Champions Cup final of scoring in the last few minutes to, to steal the win from Leinster's noses. Um, I'll start with you, Sean. You know, this was such an epic game. I... You know, there's a lot that can be said about how epic the game was. We'll get to Leinster and all that sort of stuff as well. But I think let's just start with the game itself and just how great that Larishal performance was, especially after falling 17-0 behind after like, what, three minutes or whatever. Yeah, just probably one of the best Champions Cup finals you'll watch. Like, there have been close games before, but you, you never, you don't, you don't concede after two minutes against Leinster in Dublin and then concede again a few minutes later and take a 17-0 deficit after not even a quarter of the game and, and come back and win. I, I don't know the numbers, but I don't think that's been done in, in, this, in this Leinster era um, where they've given up 17 points at home and lost. Um, absolutely incredible. I was... I was flipping worried for La Rochelle. Um, they're, they're really like, they're made up of a bunch of guys that everyone knows about because they won last year. But other than that, we, you know, unless you were playing in the French leagues or followed the French leagues, you wouldn't really know a lot of the players. Um, and the guys stuck together. And I, I, I watched a lot of um, Roger's uh, interviews after the game. And that man's brain is, his rugby mind is incredible he he's very quickly moved up to being one of my most favorite guys that i want to start following and listening to not because of what he's delivered but just the way his philosophy and and how he sees things he he always said that there was going to be a leinster special um i forget the the attack coach's name for leinster but he said there was going to be something from him they just didn't expect it in in 90 seconds i'm mean, luckily to be honest no one does but what an epic start and leinster were cooking it wasn't just that try. It was it was that low fifty twenty two, um, off that line out, which was a superb move. Leinster were hitting everything perfect, everything. All their lines, the the the, the timing of their runs, their passes, everything was working, and it translated into points. Now, I know I mentioned it, but you don't ever, you will, ne- no one ever would have would have put money on La Rochelle winning winning that game unless you're a diehard supporter or a gambler willing to piss some money away, because it just doesn't happen. And what La Rochelle did was they just stuck to it. They stuck to their game. They sorted out. For me, the second try that they scored, the um, the try where they actually worked really hard, where Suteni um, scored it. They worked, they manufactured that try. They, there was a kicking game on, they broke the line, they set it up. But when it was on and they broke left, like you could see how they kicked into gear when there was an overlap. They, they had an overlap and they knew the strike was on and, and he cruised in for that try. There was numbers outside, but Leinster just couldn't cope with the, 
with, with the speed at which things were coming at them. And that to me was that try was was worth more than seven points. I didn't think it was worth as much as it went in inverted commas um, for them. But I thought that trial was worth way more, than, way more than seven points for them because it changed their mindset. They were like, we've stopped the Leinster machine. We can, we, we got a foothold in the game. We can now, we've now actually got something to build on. And, um, and that's what happened. And then that second half was ridiculous. But when I saw Leinster started making those errors and also very, it's so unlike Leinster, they are a finely tuned machine. Gibson Park was making errors. Lowe was making errors. There were poor kicks. There was fumbles. There was all sorts of stuff. And Leinster couldn't get out of their half and out of their 22, actually. And I I just, I thought to myself, they're defending so well. Is it going to be one of those games where they defend, defend, defend and lose at the end? Or is it going to be one of those games where they defend, 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 and they absorb all the pressure and then they kick on afterwards? And that's what always, like you always wonder, and you always think with Leinster, with the All Blacks, with the Springboks, with Ireland, you know that they're going to absorb that pressure and then they're going to hurt you later. And it just didn't happen, man. And um, wow, what an epic, epic game. And La Rochelle was so calm in those last 20 minutes. They were so calm. They kicked for the corner. Hastoy, that man, uh, I, 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 know, I know Aldrit got man of the match, but... Anton Hastoy was incredible, incredible, incredible. That guy's stocks as a 10 have, have flipping launched up. Uh, ironically, he's probably only fifth. He's the fifth choice in, in France at the moment. Um, but Flippy had a good game. He kicked well, 100% kick, 100% tackle, kicked for the corner well, basically errorless. So what, what a game, man. I'm just, it was flipping absolutely world-class. Cooks, I think Sean just brought up at least two of the star performers for Leinster. Um, Greg Aldred, the man of the match, and the newly crowned European uh, Championship Player of the Year, or Player of the Season. And Anthony Hastoy, who's, yeah, just had a, a massive game. And he really, I think, more than filled what um, the Higher West was doing for La Rochelle last season as well. I'm sure you can talk about many other great performances, like Jonathan Dumptees as well. Um, yeah, who were the players that stood out for you? I must say, <laughs> I think Leinster must absolutely hate the sight of Will Skelton right now. I mean, for the last two years. I mean, he's also been Beast. an absolute Beast. wrecking ball for them. I thought he was very, very good. Um, oh, jeez, it's so hard to look past. Actually, the Aldrit and Hosto. I think Aldrit is sort of getting into that well, back into that form. He's a little bit of, he's good a little bit of, especially the European Cup, he's, he's been very good. The top 15, he hasn't been as, top 14, he hasn't been, he's been good, but not all, like the levels he's been, but I mean, I think some, they were saying the last five games in the, in the Champions Cup, the lowest amount of carries he had was 14 at 19 on the weekend. I mean, he was, he's, he's one of my favorite aces in the world and he was very good, but I want to touch something on, quickly on, on what Sean said. I think that tried half time, so is where change things. And it's weird how Leinster was probably the most disciplined side and how, how structured they've been this year that it's sort of gone away from, they went away from that and sort of, I won't say panic, but they sort of went away to what, what's, what, what's worked so well for them. And it made me think of what Ronald Gora said in one of his interviews that as good as Leinster has been, they have struggled to get over the line the last couple of years in terms of winning finals and actually converting 
all that form into to actually bring home the gold. And I wonder how how much of a role that plays. I wonder how much that role, that loss against Munster plays because you go with the Munster, they couldn't they weren't able to close that game out and losing that semi and now it's same as last year, using a semi in the in the URC and then using a final Champions Cup. I wonder if that plays if that played a role in the players' head, that fact that that they actually still haven't been able to bring back the big one. They've, they still haven't, I mean, internationally, yes, for, for Ireland, but it's another final loss now for, for Leinster. I think they've lost, they've, yeah, Ross lost three European Cup finals. They lost playing, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I think Saracens was the only loss too, but I think, but they haven't won, it's been, but they record in the final and lost. Oh, Will Skelton Saracens, eh? Yeah, yeah, jeez. <laughs> so, like, they haven't won, they haven't won, they're getting, they're getting the finals, but I mean, they're just not winning it so well. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the Will Skelton thing, actually, Sean. It's, 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 not, it's not them, it's Will Skelton. So I think with Lane, so that's the, I mean, I mean, got up touching them. I mean, that's what I was thinking about them as well. Like, it's, it's, it, it must play some, it must play a role in the players here, just not being able to cross that line eventually, like just constantly getting there and losing finals because there's, play, there's players who've, who've lost multiple Champions Cup finals now. And then I think that's where, I think La Rochelle sort of took advantage of that is, and I just think, man, like by scoring those two tries, old old adage, don't concede before, after, after early, just just before end, end of the first half or sort of the second half, and unfortunately, Leinster fell to that, which is the opposite of, what, of what's happened to them in the entire season. I I just want to one thing that I'm so ridiculously impressed um, by about from Leinster is their incredible ability to dictate the pace of the game. Like we, you can watch a game back sometimes with other teams and you can see how the pace has increased for a game, but Leinster do it in, in sections in the game. Like when, when, when they faced a side and, and that side's received a yellow card, they actively speed up the game in that area. And it's, it's like noticeably faster. It's ridiculous. I love it. I love they, they are, they're a class side. There's no doubt about it. They just, they manage it so well. Um, I am, um, yeah, it, it's really just flipping out of this world. But, but Cooks, you're right, eh? Two, two years in, so out of four trophies in, in, in 24 months, they've got zero. And, and that doesn't happen. Like they, they, this is not that Leinster. And it's two years in a row that it's happened. And that is that little bit of doubt, that little bit of doubt. Now, how are they going to react to it? Because they've pretty much had life their own way for a decade, maybe longer. You know, there's been the odd loss here and there, but as a whole, when they're when they have this kind of a squad, because they have probably one of the best squads squads ever assembled. They've got a, a phenomenal match day twenty three, but as a squad, like Toulon back in the day had a mass had an incredible match day twenty three, but their squad wasn't as good. Same with Saracens. Saracens may be a bit better on the squad, but Leinster have a squad. And this is one of the best squads that we've ever seen. And, um, and yeah, this is going to burn, man. This is going to burn, burn, burn. Yeah, I think just before we fully go into the Leinster part, I just want to also just shout out, I think um, Bristolan had a great game, especially yes. considering his start where he shanked probably two kicks that led to two tries because he couldn't get the, enough distance um, with his um, clearance kicks to touch. And after that, 
I think there was a bit of an adjustment from from uh, Narishal with their kicking game and the return game. He ran it up sometimes. He found a bit more grass um, with his kicking game as well. And the pressure then went from Larishal to Leinster with the kicking game. Then Leinster was the ones making the mistake. So Dulan had a great game. And we know how good he is. We know he's played for France and played a key role for France at times. And, you know, he's probably watched like their third or fourth choice fullback at the moment. But he had a fantastic game. As we talked about, Suteni was great. He obviously scored a try. He was key, I think, in also just breaking up the midfield. I, yeah, it, it seemed like... And we can talk about it now with Leinster. I don't know if the Henshaw-Ringrose combination was on song this weekend because there's a few breaks that happened in the midfield there. And then just another player. I mean, we talked about Skelton. but um, And, I mean, Kerbala, I think, goes without saying with just his way of keeping the pace up. But Levani Botia was fantastic yes. as well. A yes. bit quieter than normal, but I think he just did the job with regards to getting turnovers and... You know, he had a few runs here and there, but it's so, it's actually quite interesting seeing, you know, because there's a bit of a rock, paper, scissors between Leinster, La Rochelle and Toulouse that they can all beat each other, but they all get beaten by one of the other as well. And with Toulouse, you see sort of that, it's like crazy part of like how France plays, of like that unpredictability and that magic of Dupont and Ramos and, and those sort of players. And then La Rochelle is just the, the efficient machine that France can be when they just decide, okay, we're going to now just control the ball and play at an insane pace and just steamroll you with physicality. And that's what La Rochelle was able to do. And I think that's why Greg Aldridge was the man of the match because anytime it looked like Doris or Van der Fleer was about to interrupt the ball, Aldridge was there to just pick it up and just continue the phase and just get going and going and going and going and going. And yeah, look, I think the almost the simpler the simple explanation for why Leinster lost is that they had to make 188 tackles, and against a team like La Rochelle, you can't win when you make, have to make so many tackles. So, I think that's the credit to La Rochelle in that they really have a way of just uh, grinding down Leinster, and they show that if you play a possession based game, you can really have, you have a good chance to to win against Leinster. But obviously, there's only <laughs> there's very few teams that can do that and do that consistently. Um, against them. So that's why La Rochelle has been able to beat them in the last two finals. But yeah, I think now it's time to turn to sort of the post-mortem part of this and, and look at Leinster. Cooks, yeah, there's a lot of narratives going around with Leinster and I think there's a lot of blaming and finger pointing and laughing them at, as chokers and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, look, it's a very good team. They just have, I think, been somewhat unlucky to lose their last four like big knockout games by a total of six points in the last two years. But yeah, uh, was, was, was the point that Leinster lost it? Uh, there's many turning points, I think, in this game, Cooks. Is it the try before halftime? Is it James Ryan going off um, with, an in, with the HIA before halftime? What do you think was the turning point for, for, for Leinster? I just, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I mean, the James Ryan HIA, Jeez, English goose. HIA, HIA also was um came in the, came in a terrible time and he's been playing very good rugby. But yeah, for me it's that the tries are for half time, I think down to try it, it it changes the momentum and it sort of gives La Rochelle a bit of a sniff. I think it's a different story if they're going in at 17 0 and it's like ooh, 17 points at null. And I think Lance of normally 
the situation where, like Sean said, with Lance is very good at knowing when to turn up the heat just before halftime. We need a lot I thought for them, it's it's it's, it's a classic of Lance to either score there or sort of sort of find two penalties in five minutes and steal six points and, and then go in, and then go in the half with that momentum. So once they lost the momentum, I think with with Laura Shell, they knew they would come out fighting and come out and big early and, and, and sort of because they knew like you like. They're one of the few teams that have the physicality to sort of, and they have, they have the ability to play a possession-based game against La Rochelle. I mean, against against Lanes. I know. Tell us, so your tweet people were talking about maybe that's the way to go against Ireland. That is to play a possession-based team, but position uh, position-based game. But there's so many teams in world rugby that can keep the ball for that long and also have the physicality. It does help when they are. You have one of the biggest packs in rugby at the moment, and you add like a ball skeleton things. So those, not many teams can do that to, 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 to Leinster. So if, if I'm an Irish fan, at least going to the World Cup, at least I'll, I'll think about going. Like, at least there's not many teams that can bully us in that way and sort of still and still keep the ball for for such long periods. But yeah, I think for Leinster, yeah, that tribe for half time, yeah, it's just like it, knowing there's one of those, one of the most disciplined sides in in rugby and, and knowing and how clinical they are. That's something that that La Rochelle took. Took away from me. I, th- I think that was a turning point. And yeah, and a lot of people obviously the the, the chat is they 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 the resting players are against Munster and the URC and and they say that's that's the issue. And I, I yeah, I don't know. Like it's tough because I mean they still had a fantastic a fantastic season and it, and it took Munster a it took a, a, a fantastic Munster performance and a late drop goal to sort of beat them. So and and that was to beat ultimately the the, the lanes to B side C side if you and also. I think for them, they kind of know. They they they'll look back. I think they look back more at like the opportunities lost in the La Rochelle game as opposed to the Munster game. I think for them, they've won so many URC titles that I don't. I think it's the Champions Cup. I think it's those ones the ones that sting a little bit more. But they're still fantastic. So I still think they'll they'll bounce back again. I still think that they still the. It would nice to ever see. It would nice to ever see them play against the full strength Stormers side. It'll be nice to maybe one day to get a Stormers Lens to final, but yeah, I think for Lens, it's going to be a tough, 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 tough post mortem, and a lot of questions will be asked. But I mean, I know obviously Lancaster's leaving, and so, so at least you know with um, Jacques Nino, when he comes in the job next year, it's, there's a lot of motivation coming into that, and we'll definitely be taking over a very, very hungry Lens side who are wanting to sort of. Uh, Make sure they fix a, a bad two years for them. Yeah, four finals. I mean, two back-to-back finals, and people are and almost riding off very good lanes to start. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough for them, but I think they'll they'll, they'll they'll bounce back. Yeah, and I wonder, I I wonder what um, sort of Ninoba coming in as an outsider will help with the. I think just getting lanes over the line. Maybe it's just a. Uh, a bit of a like almost more of a brutality of just being as you know have that killer instinct to just kill off like these really big games as 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 quick as possible because look Sean I think the opportunity was there and I mean we go back to what the first 10 minutes and Leinster was absolutely brilliant like you said um, Andrew Goodman the attack coach had uh, a, a sneaky move there for the first try and they just w- were able to stretch La Rochelle in, in the early parts of the game. So you saw how good Leinster was. And you saw Jack Conan and Dan Sheehan at their best. 
And in the second half, I mean, look, for a, pretty much 35 minutes, Leinster was keeping La Rochelle out of the try line. And you also saw how good, you know, Van der Fleer and Doris um, were in defense and, and, and the ways that they were just keeping um, La Rochelle at, at bay. Um, Ross Maloney, I think, had a really good game and had a high work rate. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Sean, I don't know if you want to sort of term this more as a bit of a, a bit of a choke that they maybe just weren't able to execute on a few things at key times, or is it just, you know, they got beaten by an amazing team that was just able to be a little bit more amazing than what Leinster was. You know, we, everyone expects Leinster to win. And I think that's why we're talking like this. And if you don't know anything about what happened on Saturday and you listen to this, you, you'd think Leinster got 30 or 40 points, but they lost by one. Um, Ross Byrne had one, maybe two, I think it was two of his kicks or his convert, one of his conversions went off the upright. Like it was that close to yeah, it was two. two. Like it was pretty, it was, it was pretty close. Um, they made 166 of their 180-something tackles. I think, on a side note, with, with Ninaba going there, the, they're not going to change. Leinster are not going to change their DNA. They're not looking to overhaul anything. They are going to be the same. They're going to play off 10 all the time and, and just carry on. They're just going to tighten up a few things. Leinster are happy to defend and then kill you afterwards. Like that's, their, that, that's really what they've done and been doing. So, you know, they'll be fine. Where, where it happened for me was I thought there was a kickable penalty uh, late in the, in the first, in the second half uh, for Leinster, but they went for the corner. Now, uh, obviously um, Byrne didn't really have, uh, didn't really have the confidence or didn't think he had the legs. Fair enough. But I thought that that should have at least, they should have at least had a go at that. Like, James Lowe's got a big boot on him. I think he's kicked for poles, but he's, he's, he's long. Like maybe you've got to start setting up for someone like that. You know, someone who's going to have the distance. Then um, there's talk of a drop goal and, and they should have set up for it. You know, whatever, you know, those are decisions you make. But the big thing for me was La Rochelle made 20 more gain line carries on the day than Leinster. It was 37 to 57. Like those are the big boys doing the hard work. Um, I was very apprehensive about the midfield that, that Leinster put out. I really, I thought Henshaw, his second game back, um, I, I was really, it was his second game back. So I could sort of understand it, but I thought Natai was probably the best shot at 12 and then have Ringrose at 13. But um, I think they've learned they will probably play their, a bulk of their strongest side in the future when they get into like semifinals and quarterfinals of, um, of the URC, because there's no doubt about it that the guys would have probably done a little bit better with, with those sort of things. Like if they made those mistakes against Munster with that side, they probably don't, don't, um, buckle. No, they didn't buckle. They don't, they probably play a different game against La Rochelle. So, so yeah, so that was, that was it for me really and i think the thing that you can't coach for and you you most certainly can't coach for it at leinster is the pressure that they were put under and the mistakes that they made they were making mistakes where the fans at the game and on the tv and the commentators were in shock they were like oh my word 
like Jamison Gibson Park has made an error. James Lowe has made two errors. Those things don't happen. You can't, you can't coach that, unfortunately. Well, that'll, you'll do your best, but that comes from experience and it comes from being under pressure and making mistakes. Sometimes you can be under pressure, make a mistake and get away with it. It just didn't happen. And they were constantly, but the thing is, is they defended it the whole time. They defended it. They, they, they were in the lead the whole entire game from 90 seconds until the 77th minute they, or 74th or whatever, they were, Leinster were in the lead. So everything worked. So it's really like, it's tough. It's tough to nitpick, but you know, like two balls hitting the uprights are the difference between whether you win or lose is, uh, is, is not a massive, uh, you know, it's not a massive like personnel issue or tactics issue, you know? What I want to do to add there, like with, with, with Leinster, for example, it reminds me a lot of the period that the Crusaders went through from the, the, the one Super the lot, I think Super 14 in 2008, and then the next time they won, they won it again was, 20, was 2017, they went about eight years that winning Super Rugby, but in that time, they'd lost, they'd lost the final to the, to the Reds, they lost the final to the, um, to the Waratahs, they Bulls knocked them out 09 and 2010, at Loftus in the, in, in the semifinals at the cheese, the cheese knocked them out twice. The semi, and then the, the Canes beat them in the semi on the way to on the way to win it. So they kept making like same. Poor Todd Blackadder when he coached Crusaders. I mean, he got to two finals and then, and then didn't make their playoffs in 2015. But other than that, it was always in the semi final. But they were all they were always in the mix. But they just they just could not get could not get a win again. Also, and the teams that would they would lose to is our, our teams would be having sort of. The special, special years. You look, you look at like La Rochelle, for example. Like they're in, they're in, a, in, a, in a magical run, and unfortunately, it always seems to happen against that lens of the team that, that they just always get the wool over. I mean, like the Crusaders that time, they lose to a race team, which which was flipping fantastic and great story. And they go win in Brisbane. They go lose to the the Waratahs. Also, have never won Super Rugby, and then that's also another great story when they when they had that great side in 2014. So it's like sometimes you're a great side who's who've, dominated you're still good enough to get into those finals and if i'm a leinster fan it's i just feel like if the crusaders for example if they get one champions cup or if leinster win one or say another euro c they might just go in and run with the crusaders they won the super rugby 2017 and then they haven't stopped winning it since um so i think sort of i think leinster is in the same so i saw some other thing with that crusader side from like i'll say 2010 to about 2016 where Sometimes it's just you get to the big dance and unfortunately it just doesn't go your way, but you're still good enough. You're still one of the best sides in the world. And unfortunately, you're catching the side on a high. I mean, this, because when, when, when Lance beat Toulouse a couple of weeks ago, they were, they were by far the best and a great Toulouse side. So I just think, yeah, they just need to find a way to stop playing Will Skelton in finals. He's a beast. Eh? Can I tell you, Will Skelton is, um, is such a, um, like a, um, he was so calm. Like he played rugby on Saturday, but he wasn't like a lunatic. He was smiling and he seemed, you know what I mean? Like he just seemed like he was powering through things like in his own vibe. He's, he's on another level at the moment. The Wallabies have to pick him. They, ha- they have to. There was talk of them not needing him. There's, they would be stupid. Stupid not to take him. Yeah, that's a conversation for another day because, yes, where do you fit him in? And I wonder if Larisha is almost the perfect team for him because – of just how almost slow and methodical they are instead of 
the Wallabies that try to obviously play with a bit more pace because of the type of players that they have. Um, yeah, that La Rochelle is just that team that just sort of rolls like a, 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 a truck almost. And the Wallabies try to be a bit more like a nippy fast, like Fiat that goes through the streets. Um, I think the last thing just to say about this final and just how epic it was is, Sean, where do you think we can find that video of Jonathan Sexton, Ronan Algara, and Jakub Paper having an argument at halftime? Because we need oh. that video to drop in the internet. Yes. Yes, we, we've got to. We need, we need to find someone that is involved in the stadium because they will have that footage somewhere. The thing is the EPCR will be using it for their whatever they're doing, investigation or hearing or whatever, but then they need to drop it. So <clears throat> I read um, somewhere today, so I read this um, uh, online, but what is supposed to have happened and caused this cuck? <laughs> so do you remember last year, Ronan Agara uh, had words with the referee? I think it was the Champions, I think it was the final as well in the Champions Cup. Didn't he have words with the referee at halftime? I, I, I can't, I can't remember, remember but he he did have words with the referee, uh, and he's got a history of it. Apparently, Sean O'Brien, the Leinster um, changing room is borders on and is right next door to the referee changing room. Apparently, Leinster has Sean O'Brien standing guard <laughs> at at the referee room to make sure that Ronan Agara <laughs> didn't cause any cuck. <laughs> at half time so that's basically what started it and then obviously there were words and like i'm standing here to keep your riffraff out or whatever like you know <laughs> so apparently that's what kicked the whole thing off is they've decided to put a man to post him as as a god for the referee so ronan agara <laughs> wouldn't go in and cause any mayhem at half time and that's how it all kicked off <laughs> yeah look i mean I think Yaku Paper actually, all things considered, had a pretty good game. Um, look, and I think we need to talk about the Alatoa red card because it was a very horrible clear out. And there's quite a few clips going around of like Leinster being bordering on, if not way over the line in terms of being illegal, their clear outs and all that sort of stuff. But <laughs> I think he, uh, Paper was getting a lot of chat, I think, from both from both sides, but especially from Leinster. And to seem like any Irish person, be it Ronan O'Gara or the Leinster team, was ready to give his two cents to paper about what should be done or what shouldn't be done and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I think in general, he probably had a, a, a decent game. But <laughs> the one thing that was making me laugh until the, the red card happened is paper was not going to give a penalty to Leinster in the last minute. Larachal <laughs> was doing that thing where a tackle happens and you put your hands on the ball and you wait until the ref says hands off and then, oh, hands off, hands off. And they did that each and every ruck, which obviously slows their ball down. The damage is done if you don't do anything about it. But it was clear that people were saying, I'm not going to be the one that decides this game. You guys are going to have to either win it through a drop goal or a try or whatever the case may be. Yeah. It's the, I thought paper handled the game as a whole well. Um, there was a lot of chatter. The breakdowns were suspect, but there were the breakdowns were suspect both sides. Like it wasn't like he was ignoring one and not the other. So the breakdowns were probably the biggest issue in the game. Um, 
from an officiating point of view. But what that did was it allowed a a non-stop game to be played. So we could either have a stop-start game, which would have suited Leinster down to the ground. Um, but, you know, we've got to decide, like, do we want to blow within the laws or where, what sort of leeway are we going to give, et cetera. But I agree. As a whole, I thought Yaku Paper handled the game very well. I thought there was a lot, a lot of talk. It was non-stop. Like, everyone was in his face all the time. La Rochelle and Leinster. Like, it just wasn't ending. So um, I was very surprised he didn't try and get that sorted out. I, I do want to say we don't ever see it, but giving a team a yellow card that were on a warning after try scored, I'm massively, I'm a huge fan. I've spoken about it before. It's something that I absolutely like it, it makes me so angry. Like if if you infringe and there's an advantage, but you score a try, then all of a sudden the team doesn't get the yellow card. It doesn't make sense to me. And he's gone and done it and against Leinster in in Dublin. So like I I just think I think it's great officiating. I think he actually probably does it more than other refs, to be fair. If I think about I have seen him do one before. But um but yeah, as a whole, I thought it was good. There was so much talk. Like everyone was trying so hard to get me to get into him, eh? Like everyone. And I thought that he just didn't take it. I think it just was bouncing off him. He was just like, screw you guys. I'm going to play my own game. Do you think um, when that fight, when Sexton talking to Ogara in the referee's room, do you think he brought up those tier two tweets about, about, about Ron, Ogara, Ron Ogara's career just to throw a rough salt in the wounds? Like- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Imagine. And you know, the thing is that, uh, that is literally that is literally a rivalry that has been around since all of them were kids. It's Munster versus Leinster. That is literally that is that they're like that's it. That's the biggest rivalry ever, and it's now travelled into France and the same banter. I mean, Ronan Agara was wearing a red La Rochelle shirt to the one to the one press conference, like Munster red. <laughs> you know, like he's. He, he, and there's banter, man. There's in, in the interviews I watched with him, he was like, he was like, they asked him a question about like, what did you say at halftime? And, and he's like, listen, I'm going to speak out of turn here because you know, like we're professionals and everything, but Munster, our Leinster are going to be hurting. They're going to be hurting after losing to Munster. They're going to be, it's going to be in the back of their head. I've told, I told my guys about it. I, I, I wouldn't say it normally, but I'm, you ask the questions. I'm telling you what we spoke about because and me as a, as, a, as a director of rugby, it would be wrong for me not to mention it and tell my team that they are soft, like they, they will crack, you know, stuff like that. Like there's just, there, there's, this hatred is, is more. It's more. It's more than any La Rochelle, Leinster or France Island banter ever, this Munster Leinster stuff. It's huge. There would have been words nonstop. And then Cooks, just on the hashtag narrative question, is is does this loss or win for La Rochelle or loss for Leinster mean anything for the Rugby World Cup? Are there any hashtag narratives that are going to come from this game? I think for Ireland, I think is like the, the narrative will sort of be that that they still got that soft underbelly because of the way La Rochelle played. I think sort of the certain teams will try and obviously will still try to stick to putting them, but. Like I said, I don't know if, the, if there is a team that, that, that has the combination of brute strength and sort of are willing to go 50, 60% possession against Ireland. I think Ireland will be a lot, um, a lot, a lot smarter against that. But I think the big narrative to take out of it is the, 
the Johnny Sexton and, and this ref thing because, for example, if he does get banned, I mean, Johnny Sexton's next game is in those warm-up games, the warm-up, in the warm-up, in the warm-up game, and the question is how bad is that footage and how, how long could that ban potentially be? Is that, is that missing? Is it, is it, is it say, a four-game ban, five-game ban, missing a couple of games, maybe missing a World Cup game? And also now, the narrative that can start is the fact that for me, like, for example, like the Supreme was already on the bad side of, say, referees because of, unfortunately, because of the tweets and things. Like that. So we already, the Supreme was already had that, 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 that black mark of, the, of, of where the referees are sort of where us, we are worried about what happens in the World Cup when, when, when 50-50 calls go our way. And, and that's why I think Ireland must be, was, must be very, very careful with Johnny Sexton where it's, I think in Europe, I think Sexton knows how to play the referees but someone like you could paper, but now, but like, for example, once you get a stain like that against the referee and the referees tend to band together because if, unfortunately it is them versus the world. They tend to band together. That's something that I'm definitely going to keep an eye on go to the World Cup, how the referees treat Ireland going forward after this, because you could, you can definitely see the spring box like after the, the rust incident that the, the calls aren't going away. And if you know, 50-50 calls, they'll tend to go, they'll tend not to go away. And that's the nature of rugby where, Sort of like home team gets home team gets a certain call, and you know if this if this captain is badgering referee, calls don't tend to go your way. I mean, referees are human too, so I'm keen to see how this ref thing sort of goes out for for Ireland and how they're gonna and how they're gonna play it out as 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 they move towards the World Cup and the World Cup is in France as well. Yeah, I'm just also want to see how like how Sexton also just maybe changes approach or if he. <laughs> maybe he's an old dog that can't learn new tricks, but I think he'll have to be a bit more careful. And, you know, remember also that referees pretty much, they're a team, especially during the World Cup, because they basically all stay together. They have the review um, meetings after games together and all that sort of stuff. So they like, there'll be communication if like a team is being particularly difficult, be it the island, be it the box, whoever. And if that communication goes through and like now, uh, Barnes are saying to Ben O'Keefe that, oh, you know, it was such a tough time refereeing Ireland or whoever. Like, that's going to be a big factor, I think, in the World Cup. And, I mean, Ireland already have, I think, they need a bit of the grace of the referee in, in, in one way because um, of Andrew Porter scrummaging. That's something that a ref can blow every day. Same as the South Africans, I need the grace of the referee to blow scrum penalties and war penalties and all that sort of stuff. So, those things, yeah, they can be a big difference in, in that. Um, I think the, the 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 one thing with the Sexton, um, you know, if he's going to be like banned and what happens is if he's banned for quite a few matches, watch out for Ireland organizing warm-up games against Romania, against Gibraltar, um, against any country that they can find. They might even <laughs> like divide... Ireland into Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, just to make what sure about there's Italy, enough games that happened before. Italy in World Italy. Cup. There would be something, eh? That would oh, really mess up our, our thing. <laughs> we start seeing... Um, <laughs> you know, the, you know not, Six is not coming to that. 100%. It was actually played in Australia. We played on Thursday. So it's just to like play Thursday, play Saturday. Like, <laughs> like but, you know... On the on the on the player talk and everything, so Josh van der Fleer seems to have taken up that that thing now. Um, but you know, you talk about like how the refs are, are wary of us because of Russi. The thing is, is Sia and our 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 captains and our group of players um, are great. They're flipping brilliant. The refs love dealing with them. 
There's a difference there. The other two people that like to talk and chirp on the field and get under your skin are Farrell and Sexton. They play. They are players and captains, and they're nonstop. They chirp when they're not captains, and they chirp when they are captains. So, like, they don't conduct themselves as captains, and that's and that will it will impact them somewhere along the line. Whether it impacts the side or not, we don't know. But they absolutely have to be careful about it. Yeah, let's now shift gears into the other European um, final that happened this weekend on Friday. Um, Toulon absolutely thrashed um, Glasgow, forty-three points to nineteen. A man of the match performance for um, South Africa's Cheson Colby as well. He was brilliant both defensively um, and on attack as well. And Toulon just pretty much, you know, took the game away from Glasgow so quickly. Cooks, maybe let's just start with the man of the match and the man of the moment, Cheson Colby. Like, you know, it seems like, I mean, we've we've had a bit of a cycle of Cheson in the last few years. Like, he's... He plays really well for a stretch of games, then he gets injured, and then it's like, mm, are we sure he's going to be perhaps like in our team and all that sort of stuff? And he comes back and he plays well again and all that sort of stuff. I mean, if he can stay on the field, we know how good that man is. Oh, yeah, 100%. I thought he was fantastic. I mean, look, I know we'll... his all-round game was great, and obviously he had that, those two massive hits, and it's, oh, I, just, I just always enjoy seeing him at fullback, and it was, it was a very, very, very structured... Structured performance. I know we know we're so used to seeing Colby, Colby like you known for his goose steps and the things he does with his feet and the side steps, but it was a proper 15th performance that he put in the weekend. And yeah, you're right. I think that's a. I think that's the. I think for for, for Colby himself, that's probably been the frustrating thing over the last four years. It's the fact that it's been play and 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 and, and not just like like a not just like a, like a two week injury, like long injuries out for months, like where you will like you, like I think 2021 you played against the Lions most of the rest of the year. Last year he got a knock, and then he sort of in the, he came back for the rugby championship. But like, I'm sitting back. He played the rugby championship, then he was out for the you know year tour. So I think for him, that's the that's the frustration, and not just being able to string games together. And um, I'm, I just really hope that this is the season for him. I mean, this is the season we we can actually see him. We can we can actually see him playing, get some games on his body, especially especially for the green and gold. I think. Club-wise, he, he has been playing rugby, but it's, it's, the injuries do tend to come. Maybe after, like, the, 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 like the unfortunate, like, what Rogara spoke about, but the, the length of the top 14 season, I mean, it's still going until mid-June. So it's like, yeah, that's the worry. We're like, look, we might, with the time the Springboks catching, we catch him as he comes back off a top 14, then he gets a knock, and then the turnaround time for the World Cup could be too short. But uh, I really hope that for the Springboks, like, we get, the Colby saw on Saturday, but most importantly, we should get the Colby that plays. Look, can he just play more than five tests a year? Can he just can he get through a full test season unscathed? I think that's. A, I don't think he has yet, because I think obviously, I mean, he came in twenty eighteen of the bench. I mean, probably probably only twenty nineteen, his first year as a starter. But other than that, he still hasn't had a full season, full test season for the Springboks without an injury. I guess the nice thing from a South African perspective is that Toulon looks all but out of the top 14 playoff race because they need to win and get a bonus point against Bordeaux and then they need Lyon to lose and Bayonne must win but without a bonus point, you know. All that Bafana mats probably means that um, Toulon is more, yeah, pretty much out, um, fortunately, for a South African perspective. So if we can just survive this last weekend, we might have him back um, fit for, for, for the July. Um, rugby matches. 
Um, Sean, I'll just say to, or I'll just say a name to you, and then you can just go on. Batisara. What a legend! What a brilliant, brilliant, a sensational game. And when he went off, there were flipping thousand injuries in that game. Um, Toulon. Oh man, what they lost bigger after three minutes. He made a great trip to Brian Abanner after the game. He said it was the the best, the easiest three minutes of his life. Um, they lost bigger um, after four minutes. They lost Gabon Villiers uh, at the at halftime. Um, they lost Baptiste Seren at halftime. Like there was just injuries all over the show. So I thought um, they also lost. Uh, sorry, that's at the um, in midfield. They lost in uh, Paiwa. They lost him at, at 30 minute mark. So they lost 9, 10, 11, and 12 um, all uh, in between kickoff and half time, which is huge. But he was flipping sensational. He was absolutely world class. Um, I, I, the only thing I want to say, like Toulon came out of the, out of the blocks running, uh, like just smashing everything to pieces and they didn't hold up. Like it was personal for them. And we saw at the end of the game with Ches and Colby, like he was crying at the end of the game, like he it was emotional. Um, uh, after the game, um, Mathieu Bastereau announced his retirement. We all know that Sergio Parise is hanging up his boots. Like a lot happened and it was insane. The only thing I'm like really bummed about um, in Glasgow Warriors is I really feel like they're going to look back at it and just, think you know we kind of lost our chance to even give it a shot like they didn't seem to take a shot but i'm sure we'll get onto the warriors shortly but yeah baptiste Seren was was incredible uh, i don't know how bad his injury is um but that's the kind of performance that would give him a, a look into into a world cup squad uh he's he was cooking that's what they want from their nines uh the french side um he just absolutely dictated the game that first try with the grubber, he was looking for for runner, and there was just nobody there. Like the the defence um, sort of elbowed up, and there was no one to play. No one else was running any other options. So he was like, "Screw it, I'm going to go for a little grubber and go on my own." So, yeah, what an incredible performance, and what a great player. And um, a first, uh, what's it? First win out of five five finals for Toulon in the Challenge Cup. Yeah, I think oh, there's so many players you can mention from the Toulon side that are great games. I mean, I think, you know, Becker Gigas really played the whole game and we know how great he is um, up front. Um, Gonald Dupria was the top in tackles. He's obviously got a, a big work rate. And I mean, that Dupria, Olivon and Sergio Parise, Luce Chur was playing fantastically on, on Friday night. You know yeah. how great Olivon is um, as a as a leader and as a captain as well, and then you know never mind having Colby in your team and never mind you know having Gavin Villiers in your team. You also have um, Nice Nice and and Wangolo in your team as well, and they were brilliant, especially um, Nice Levu. Like it's just ridiculous that when Toulon goes out wide, they have so many threats that they can they can tear up a team um, on their own. Yeah, just ridiculous. The the individual performances from from each from the players were were brilliant, and then they played well as a team. And and against a Toulon side that clearly like 
emotionally really wanted to do it. They, it was it was their farewell to a bunch of French rugby legends or French club rugby legends and 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 stuff like that. And they just put it all together, dominated. I thought Colby was brilliant. Colby just very very quietly just said to to all the South African coaches and everyone in South Africa, like I'm still here, I'm still good enough. And I can do a lot of stuff, but I can also make some massive hits and make some good decisions at 15. Um, so, flip man, uh, it was such a good game. I just really bummed for Glasgow and more specifically Carl Stain. Um, I've uh, I've been so happy with him this year. But how was that beef between Stain and Colby the whole game, the entire game? They were at each other <laughs> nonstop. Yes, man. <laughs> It was nonstop. And we could literally see them playing each other against each other face-to-face, South Africa versus Scotland in the, uh, our first game of the World Cup. It could be Colby versus Stain just for shits and giggles. <laughs> no. It seemed like, yeah, I don't know who did what, and I don't know if Carl Stain played um, Chez and Colby's uh, Brackenfell team back in the day, but there was yes, something. Yes, for Marty's. <laughs> Ah, there we go. Now, Sean, I know you're a big fan of Carl Stain, so I'll, I'll, I'll definitely let you take the, the 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 brunt of this. But like, yeah, I think this was a very much, yeah. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say I was skeptical, but this was a really, really good game. I think for someone like me, who's not the biggest Carl Stain fan, but it was just like, okay, he's really standing up in a in a big game with you know other big game players playing. Man, he's. The thing, the the biggest thing for me, I just actually had a look at his numbers now, and I'm I'm actually they're they're flipping good numbers. But uh, the thing about Carl Stain that I absolutely love is he runs down the line and he runs straight. And if there are people on him, he they don't they don't budge him. You know what I mean? Like when they tackle him, he doesn't get tackled out. He always keeps the ball alive, and his presentation of the ball is near on perfect each time. So like that's how Scotland were attacking is they were attacking wide in the trams with Van Amerva and Stain, get the ball, recycle it, and then the midfield do the business. So Flippy was good. But, I mean, he ran 102 meters ball in hand. He beat seven defenders. Like, that's two more than anyone else. Um, three line breaks, 10 carries, four passes, four tackles. Like a flippin' brilliant game and a captain. They've, they've, he's, done, he's done big stuff there at the Warriors. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of it goes because I think he's there to stay now and uh, he's going to be part of their World Cup squad. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure about it. But either way, he's not going to go away and we're going to see a lot more of him in, in the future in, in the URC and in Europe. Yeah, let's change gears. Congratulations to Toulon. Yeah, France rugby still going on. Still one more round of the top 14 and they're going to sort themselves out. Pretty much the top six are sorted. Um, it's now just a battle for... Um, who's going to have to play in the playoff game? Um, you know, between um, Perpignan is, is is down there near near the bottom, and Pau, they're going to have to sort themselves out there. And then Breve has already been automatically relegated. Top six is, as I said, sorted. Toulouse and La Rochelle will get the bye, and then Saturday France, Racing, Bordeaux, Lyon are basically just struggling to see who's going to host the the playoff game. And then yeah, Bayonne and and Toulon, like I said, are holding on to a bit of a prayer. Yeah, Sean, I think, well, well, we'll see after this week, but I think basically everything is sorted in the top 14 um, log, right? Mm, yes and no. It is, it's a shuff, uh, shuffling situation. 
Um, Bayonne um, still have a chance uh, to to make it into the top six, depending on what happens with, um, well, I was going to say with Lyon, but the Bayonne and Lyon are playing each other, which is going to be probably the game mm, of the weekend yeah. because that's going to be that's going to be massive. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty pretty sorted. Uh, La Rochelle needed to just make sure that they they finished second, which which they did. Um, they they didn't rest their side up the the order that we expected them to do it. Uh, that is the other way around. Um, and uh, yeah, it's all happening on Sunday 9 p.m. That's the final round of the top 14, and all the games are kick kick off at the same time. It's Flipping awesome! Mm. If if you guys ever get a chance to watch on Canal Plus, you go have a look. They've got a channel dedicated only to like tries and stuff. So if you if you can speak and understand French, which I don't, but I can understand rugby, um, it's always always good fun. But yeah, it's a it's a big day <laughs> out in in French rugby on on Sunday nine o'clock, and then they'll obviously go into the barrage, the semis, and the final. Mm. Let's move to the London Sevens quickly, Cooks. I don't know if you. Um, if you were also maybe on the same plane of thought as Stephen Jones was, who was able to write a, an article about the London Sevens a week before <laughs> it happened. Did you not see that? No, I, I didn't did. see that. I, I was just they laughing. A, <laughs> it, it, it was... It was he released a whole article about it saying it, it was a big failure. <laughs> what an idiot. I don't, what, uh, Stephen Jones is... Is 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 he's in a well? He looks like he, he called it earlier. Maybe that's why he's a visionary. Tell like you called it. Maybe there's something that he saw that we were still fighting about. Like it's like I'm not gonna be a guy that writes about it on Sunday after it happens. I'm gonna describe this before it happens. That's what I'm gonna do. That's that's how that, that's how journalist, That's how you should be writing about rugby now. Just sort of predicting, predicting what's gonna happen a week before, and be like yeah, and then just sort of release it from there. <laughs> but yeah, Cook, so it seems like you also got yourself into a bit of trouble um, discussing what happened at the end of the quarterfinal between New Zealand and France. To describe it quickly, France scored a last-minute try and they needed the conversion to tie the game in order to go to extra time. And you only have 30 seconds and sevens to convert the, 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 the conversion. And basically, New Zealand, what they were doing is that they were, because you can basically walk back to the kickoff position during when the conversion is being taken, unlike in, in 15s, the basically New Zealand was just playing a bit of gamesmanship and just getting themselves in front of the kicker and like just interrupting the kicker's side so that he doesn't have a chance to take a clean shot at goal. And the kicker basically delayed and the 30-minute gong went off and yeah, the, the, the referee then called the end of the game. Um, obviously, people are very unhappy about that. And Cooks, you had your own sort of take on the situation. So, I mean, so obviously I saw this, uh, all the tweets and a lot of people saying that obviously the Oplex um, should... A terrible sportsmanship and um, they're being called cheats and being called that like and, and being saying they shouldn't have, they, what they did was not right, it was pathetic, it's disgraceful behavior, they should be banned. And my issue with the whole thing is there's a referee that's meant to police the laws. That's the person who's, who's supposed to police the laws. Because these things in rugby, it happens all the time, these gamesmanships where, for example, if the Springboks are playing against the All Blacks, and the upper five, upper seven, all back score is two, and there's two meters, and there's two, like two, two minutes left. Teams normally take an hour to get back from the the trial line to the half line, or teams telling a, a prop to go down so they can send a message on because that kills the game. And like, 
that's also cheating, but it's, but we see we see that as as gamesmanship. And my only issue was like was the referee. That that's who I was. But my issue was with because if he stops the time there, tells them all blacks to away, he's still going to clean shot a goal. That, that was the law wasn't police trust. So a lot of people were calling me out saying that that I'm advocating cheating and and gamesmanship. I'm, I'm just not advocating cheating. I'm if a law is broken, it's the rest job to 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 police that law. Otherwise, like, otherwise, uh, otherwise, and what's the point? But yeah, so because I mean, I, I I'm all about game. I'm a big believer in gamesmanship, and I think that's what sports is like. I, I do. I know sportsmanship is it's a big part of, of all sports, but it also like it's professional sports. Like he's also trying to find any way to get any advantage. And yes, the All Blacks are known for stretching the rules as much as possible, and I do think that's how. I mean, that's, I mean that's, what, that's what's made them famous. And and I think all teams do that. I think, I mean, I know in South Africa, we're not as, we like, we're very we sticklers for the rules and, and we, we, don't, we don't talk to the referees. We have, we have great manners and we've been raised where I'm like, there's rules where say the key was they do stretch it. So I saw Liverpool taking the, the All Blacks now, they, they, five, 10 years ago, they wouldn't have done that because they've lost, but now they've lost their aura. I'm like, bullshit, man. They was doing that stuff, the Richie McCormick made a career of doing stuff like that. But, yeah, that was that's my only event. I'm just like the ref blows it was there. Like, he's 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 the one he's the one that's at fault in, in my in my in my position. Yeah, of course you're blessed to take want to take a gamble. I've done this my I've done the exact same thing if 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 I was in a situation like I'm gonna try to find a way to sort of kill the game, but everyone was like, no, nah, but the All Blacks were trying to win the game at all costs. I'm like, well, you make it sound like they were like there's, there's worse things that, that that happened each in every single game in rugby than that than that moment. Yeah, I think I think it's just quite clear like that sometimes rugby must just get a bit over themselves with this whole like, you know, rugby values and all that sort of rubbish that they always say. Like <laughs> people play to win and they do things like that pretty much every week. You just people only complain about it when the opposition is doing it and not when their own team does it. And yeah, just bring it back to the Champions Cup final. I think that's where, you know, Leinster and I guess in the Irish context that they miss someone like a Peter Omani who would have probably done the sort of line cheating and stealing that you need to do in order to secure a tight game like that as well. Like you just need that. You need a few people in your team that have that like ability to do some gamesmanship in order to, you know, get a win and to, to, to secure a, a result for your team. And every team has it. Every team has those tactics in order to, you know, get a win or, influence the ref in some way like it's all part of the spectacle of sport um i think let's get into just as we now sort of rounding up the pod just to do a quick preview um for um, the urc final happening on saturday we hope that we'll have another um, episode um, late in the week but just to do a, a little quick preview of it sean it sounds like i mean first of all a sold-out stadium in cape town um storms versus munster munster the 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 road dogs um winning it, beating um, teams in, in their, in, at their own home, you know, ending the unbeaten streak in Glasgow, ending the unbeaten streak in Cape Town, ending the unbeaten streak in Dublin, and they're now here to try and win a final. Um, it'll probably be one of the best sort of knockout runs in, in a while. Um, but yeah, a packed stadium, seems like there's going to be 5,000 5, 5, um fans coming as well. Like, it's just going to be such a fantastic final. Um, on Saturday, I, I think more than just the rugby, it's just going to be a, a great occasion, and I'm, I think we're going to have an invasion of red also in Cape Town on Saturday. Isn't this what we, when this tournament came about? Isn't this what we 
hoped for. We had we had looked forward to welcoming um like other teams fans over for weekends and for knockout games and we thought about this like the champions cup like with clement coming down like are oh, the french teams gonna fans gonna come down this is what we what we wanted the best part about it is the stormers are defending champions um it's sold out like it's it's flippant brilliant what what a time to be alive like let's be honest um and uh you know it's we're in for an unbelievable spectacle. I think I love the way you led into that by just reeling off what Munster have delivered this year, um, specifically in the last in the last shit last quarter of the year, the last what five ten games, they've been uh, they've been taking names. Um, they gain have been gaining some incredible momentum after a slow start and then a bit of a stutter along the way. Um, but they're properly in it, properly up for it. They've named a ridiculously strong squad to come to South Africa. All the big boys are there. Um, John Klain is and Ben Healy are still traveling, if I'm not mistaken, even though they're still going to pass their final HIA. Um, Achia is there. Uh, Fekito Frisch will be in the midfield, like properly up for it. Um, it's, it's got a great story behind it. Um, there's been two weeks, two weeks for us to sort it out with the, with the champions cup and challenge cup game in between. There are a lot of stories and it's going to be flipping brilliant. The URC has landed now, like it's really, really happening. Well, I must say flipping monster, like why they bring the, the rain with them was flipping because I mean, like I was looking, like it's gonna be sixteen degrees on on Saturday. It's gonna be it's gonna be cold. Like I'm like they they bring Limerick with them. I mean, it's Captain of Winds are cold. I mean, like, but you look like I think the Stormers would have loved a nice um, a nice draft afternoon. But last year's URC final also had miserable weather as well. But yeah, but I think um, yeah, I think five thousand fans from Munster coming down. That's 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 gonna be that's gonna be amazing. And I think flip and also the, oh man, this, the, the Captain Stadium is gonna be jumping. It's I mean, I've, I must have every every time I've gone to go watch rugby there. Even I've gone like it's always been a good. It's it's a great stadium to watch rugby at. I mean, the, it's always quite festive. The Stormers are playing well. It's 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 generally a good day out. I think it's going to be a great. It's going to be a great great spectacle. And I think Cape Town is that stadium is so great for hosting these finals. I and mean, obviously, how easy it is and how accessible how accessible it is. I must warn people. I was I went to the semi final. If you if you're planning on driving anywhere or like leaving, don't try and plan get to the game at like an hour before kickoff because you will miss the first half. Get the, <laughs> yeah. it happened in the semi final. Like I had a mate of mine, we were going to watch the game together, and then he's like, "I'm like, bro, where are you?" He's like, oh, "I'm still stuck in traffic." I'm like, "I told you, get you at two o'clock. The beers are ready." But he wanted, but he wanted to get there. I was like, "So, so get there at one o'clock. We have beers for an hour." And then chill before, but no, he wanted to get there just before. I don't know. I think he wanted to get there. Like he wanted to get to arrive at the stadium while the storm was running out at the same time. I think, yeah. And then he sort of missed the whole first <laughs> off. And then I'm like, so it's like, like, and then after the game, he sat in traffic again for two hours. So I said, just go to Hamilton's after the game to have beers. He's like, no, I want to ask. I was like, no, he had to, I think he was driving with his mates. So he's like, no, we're going to go. We're going to try to leave Cooks immediately. you at club. I was so short. I, I, I popped in. I, I popped in there, and then um, fantastic the oldest, beers, the oldest club way, in man. the country. How did it feel, man? You must have loved it. All that heritage. <laughs> to be fair, I, oh, I, I was more shit, concerned man. about what, what, what was happening behind the bar. 
incredible beer. I think Saggy Stones is the beer. Very nice, very nice. Very, very nice. Um, but yeah, so I think the people are going to watch the game this weekend. Just, but just make sure you're not, you're not playing because it's going, to, it's going to be absolutely buzzing and I'm keen to see a full, full Cape Town Stadium. But uh, you, you're right, though. To, to be fair, um, <clears throat> I don't think any stadium in Cape Town that we've ever gone to watch an international rugby or cricket game at has been a short in and a short out. But the one thing <laughs> that, about, um, about Cape Town Stadium is you can definitely must really try to make a, a good few hours out of it before and after. Um, the waterfront's available, like you can walk from the waterfront to the stadium, which is flippant bonus, depending on the weather, which, um, which won't affect the, all the tourists cause they're used to it. But, uh, yeah. And then afterwards you've just got to just, you know, bide your time, go for, go for a burger or go, go somewhere, you know, but, uh, if it's a, it's a good warning and you just got to make sure that you enjoy the experience around that and just don't plan on leaving straight away with bumper to bumper. Yeah, I think also a big warning to our Irish contingent as well to rather lull, like mull around, you know, Greenpoint and the waterfront and all those sort of places. Like get there at like one, two o'clock and just stay there for the day because you might be frustrated trying to get to the game. Is this your first well, time with time the well. with Irish tourists, Tyler? <laughs> they, oh, they, I mean, I'm they just opened, saying. They opened the bars. They've opened all the bars. They closed them the night before <laughs> just to make sure they knew how to get there. And they'll open them all on, on the Saturday. Um, yeah, I tell you, it's going to be flipping Fair awesome. Enough. Vasco, Vasco, Mitchell's, um, oh, Feynman's. It's all going to be absolutely rocking. Mm-hmm. And you know, the one thing that I hope and I really, and I, and I, pretty sure it will happen but i hope that a majority 90 percent of these five thousand fans from Munster that are coming are all going to be in one block together there will be one block of red and it'll be loud it'll be loud yeah i think it'll be an amazing atmosphere on saturday um maybe let's not do like proper predictions but i'll ask you this question i'll start with you short what are the chances if you have like a, a pie chart and you give like a certain percentage to each team, how much percent does each team have of winning the game? Sean, like 50, 50, 60, 40. Oof, yes. Yes. 50, 50. 50, 50. Yeah. Like a 51, 49 to someone. I don't know who. How's that? <laughs> and then you cooks. Uh, I thought sixty forty stormers. I think I mean home form, sure. and um, I know I, I know Munster did beat them at home, but yeah, I think second final for the Stormers. Um, yeah, I, I think I do lean towards Stormers in Cape Town. I think it's you know, to beat them twice is going to be tough, and especially especially in Cape Town, the crowd is going to full full capacity of uh, DHL Stadium. It's hard not to. John Free might be back as well, so it's going to be hard. Not to lean yes. towards Storm in 60-40. Hopefully, or Marvin Ori is back as well. I mean, they'll make a massive difference in their lineouts. But yeah, I lean um, 60-40. I'm, I'm too scared to. I'm too scared to go against the the Stormers again. I'll tell you a quick story. So I was at the semi-final. I was doing work for Bright Rock. So Bright Rock sponsors both the Stormers and the the Bulls. So I choose the I to do the Blue Bull side because I'd stay in Joburg. So then, so we get told no, we never shoot this content. At the stadium, we're going to have to wear a Blue Bulls jersey. So no, no worries. Everything goes great. You get the stadium. The Stormers are in 
the middle of the captain's run. And the Stormers fans are like, the, the players are looking at me like, Cooks, oh man, we bring you into our change room. Like, <laughs> we've had beers together. <laughs> and, and this is what's happening yeah. here. And I'm like, guys, like, I, I work for Brad with all the sponsors. The, the Stormers, the, the, the Bulls, unfortunately. So, I mean, all the, all, I'm getting stick from Rito's giving me stick. The Bio's giving me stick. Everyone who's standing there giving me stick. So what happens is, so I, we finished the shoot quite early. So then I head back to, I head back home. We to the hotel, change. I go to the waterfront to go meet a mate for lunch. As I'm walking through the waterfront of lunch, I see Stephen Kitsov sitting down. I go say, hi, we're sitting in this beautiful, sitting with his wife, Amy. So I see Amy, say, hi, Kretas, how are you doing? Steven just looks at me, he's like, so you at the stadium just now? I'm like, yeah. In the Blue Bulls jersey. So I'm like, yeah. And he, he literally turns and goes like, yes, you think you know okay, but flipping hell. <laughs> I'm like, now I'm like, so I shake his head, leave. Now I have the worst afternoon because I've let down Kitsi and I'm like, oh my word, I, I, I could never go back to the stadium. Never again. And then obviously the next day I had to wear in the game. The amount of abuse I was getting, from, like all the, from Cape Town, like, like, my man, what are you wearing? Like, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm in the middle of a campaign. And eventually after like the 10th time, I was like, bro, you can't wear this jersey. I'm like, well, guess what? I got rent to pay. Are you going to pay my rent? Because I'm, I'm tired of fighting with you guys. Now. I'm sick and tired. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of copying this abuse. Tell now, now you tell your lovers now on two blues jersey. I've got a home jersey and an away jersey. So we've got Tyler's a Bulls fan. Uh, Jared, Jared's best friends with PSPs. I've got our own two Bulls jersey. Sharky, you are next, brother. These Bulls, no, they've got, they got a way of. <laughs> you are, you, you I'm going to stand firm. I'm standing firm. And, and you know what? And you're going to try and be friends with all of those guys again on Saturday, eh? Hey? And you're going to want to have beers with them and all that sort of stuff. I, I, yeah, uh, yeah. Just, you just remind them that I'm, I'm the last one standing. Yeah, so, I, let, I let them know yeah. that, you, that you're the last one standing. I, I know I'm going to be like, where's your Bulls jersey now? I'm like, I'm okay. I don't you're like, why, why must I wear my Bulls jersey when man's not playing? Here's my Monster Red, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I'm definitely getting like then I'm like then I'm then I'm alienating the sharks already like we're like you like you like you also on the stormers like I thought you like the sharks now I've lost them I, I mean the process of losing the stormers I mean the, the the bulls I mean I mean I've only won a bullshit once they've lost so I probably lost them as well I mean the lions I mean <laughs> we have no issues I've got no issues against the lions just yet so um I'm, so I think I might I might try my like. To have beers in Ellis Park now. You're a glory hunter. <laughs> or drift. Kill him, I'm not doing it right. I'm, I'm not doing it right because the teams tend to lose, apparently. I'm not, I just, just stick to supporting. As you're busy hunting, we've got the most important thing right. And that is basically you have figured out to the perfect sort of degree of how you need to be supporting the Springboks on a Saturday. <laughs> we, we figured that out. Like, you, you, you've got that down pat and that really is the only thing that matters, that, that matters like this, you, you support the Stormers or the Sharks or the Bulls or the Lions. It, it doesn't bother anyone too much. Like it matters on Saturday, but it'll be soon forgotten because the only thing that matters is Springbok Fridays and the weekends and test matches. So, so it's all good, bro. Until I, <laughs> from me, from, from me, the only one who hasn't gone over to the dark side. It's the only thing that matters. Until I saw my green Springbok jerseys for Irish ones, and then I'm back, and then I'm back in the same mix again. <laughs> no, <I'm> just, <laughs> Don't you no, dare! That that, that 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 would never happen. I think 
But I tell people like every time I see people like I say, guys, I support the Sharks. That is my team. I just with the like, but you you never the Sharks cares. I'm like, I, I don't tell Super Sport where they send me. I just go where they, I go where I go. Like <laughs> they don't. My, my schedule isn't based on who I support. But um, but I, I'm gonna be better. I, I'm gonna be a good omen for the Stormers as well. Oof, it's gonna be good. Tala, you going as well, aren't you? I am indeed. Um, oh, ticket pro. I'm so jealous. I defeated ticket pro for the first time. Um, yeah, well, I'm very excited to, to go to that match. Of course. I'm, yeah, I will. I will literally stay in, in in that side of Cape Town from like two o'clock. So don't worry about that, folks. I will not. I will not miss the first half of the game. Good, Tala. Good, good, uh, good omen. But touching wood, Stormers are not. Stormers, I'm not seeing the Stormers lose a game in the stadium yet. So that's that's the omen I'm bringing in. Hmm. Yeah. No, they've. I also haven't seen them lose, though. I was obviously not at that Munster game then. Yeah, if they... Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a 55-45, but that Munster team is strong. The only weakness they have is the front row, but luckily they're playing on a sand pit, so it doesn't really matter for the scrubs. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> to, Piotti, they've just announced that um, Piotti is the ref, the Italian ref, and he, from, my, yeah. from memory, he's... Probably one of the better um, scrummaging refs, isn't he? Yeah, I guess so. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I actually think I, I do remember watching at least one time when I thought he he managed it pretty well. But then again, I am a back, so forgive me. But I don't <laughs> think he's he's terrible when it comes to scrummaging or scrum time. I just believe. Um, I just no, believe. I think he'll be a great. Yeah, must he, he, refs must refs must just ref the scrum like I used to ref scrum in a high school game. Go to the team, like you're gonna get two scrum penalties each. I'll just decide when I'm gonna give them. You're getting two each, just each, each of you. I'll just see if, if you piss me, if you piss me off, I'm you, you're getting your second one to win the game. So you're so you're just realize like you're just gonna get two, you're gonna get two, you're gonna get two each because, like, I don't know, like, as much as I, I try, you, you're trying to figure out, um, this cramp, I think that's the approach you go, like, just, just give two teams each. You're like, you have, you have two penalties each, you will try and figure out, like, when and where they'll be dished out. I kind of think. Many international refs have the same system now. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I mean, scrum is the only is the only like penalties where like a side can be dominated and like somehow find a way like to sort of hold on and like, or steal the odd penalty because the the the, the box like like the boxes push them too far or they turn their shoulder like after being after pushing them fifty five meters they made a mistake then or I don't know. It, it, it sometimes it does feel like that. It, it, it's very, very frustrating. Yeah, I think yeah, Pirani is a great ref. I think he's probably near the top of the refs that we have in the RC, especially when you count, don't count the Irish and the South African refs. So he's going to, I think, be good. And yeah, we're going to have a great game to look um, to. We have a great game to look forward to on Saturday as well. Cooks, hopefully I'll see you there at the stadium in Munster Red or whatever in order, <laughs> to, in order to get your... You need to get your bread cooks, and we just talked about how much or like that you were struggling to get, um, you know, electricity and all that sort of stuff. So I completely understand <laughs> that you need to do what you need to do. <laughs> I'm willing to take international offers, uh, La Rochelle, Toulouse. Please be listening. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to fly up to France if needs be for if, if you need my my, my support. <laughs> Sean, are you are your um are your services also available to Munster this weekend? Sheesh, if they can bring me a, a good pint of Guinness, um, I would have to say yes. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, sure, I haven't heard anything yet. So it looks like I'll be able to uh, root for the for the home lads with a clear conscience. <clears throat> cough, cough, cooks. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the the main message from this podcast is that we can all be boys. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let's wrap it up there. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Rugby Bits podcast. Thank you so much, Cooks and Sean, for managing to bypass load shedding. Apologies for the interruption near the end. Um, yeah, gen- uh, load shedding and power and generators and all that sort of stuff were kicking in at the wrong time, but yeah. Hopefully it's another classic that you can listen to this week. Yeah, we'll hope to have another podcast later this week, just focusing on, on the URC match. And then, yeah, we will be excited for a big weekend that's going to be happening in Cape Town on Saturday. Follow us on the Rugby Bits page, like, share, and subscribe, and share the podcast with, with all your mates. And yeah, let's, and I'm sure we'll, we're going to definitely see you again uh, in the next few days. Bye.